Uh, for those of you that cannot tell, um, I am not Pastor Ken. Uh, I'm not wearing stilts or a wig. Uh, I did not get a revelation that all of my sports teams were wrong and that the Dallas Cowboys were actually God's team. Uh, no, uh, today is a great day and I am Pastor John. Uh, I have the awesome privilege to be the youth pastor here at Mountain View Church. If you know or are any junior high or high school students, we have awesome services on Wednesday nights at 7 until 8.30. I'd love to get a chance to talk to you after service. Um, and I hope that you guys enjoyed today. I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, pastor Ken right now is doing an awesome job of getting on his hands and feet before the Lord and praying for you guys as he already does. He's praying for this church and for the mission and vision that God has in store for you. And I'm excited that I get to be here with you guys on Jersey Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, I get to preach in a Dallas Cowboys jersey. God is faithful, let me tell you. Now, I think it's important that you and I get to know each other a little bit. Uh, if you guys can tell me your name on the count of three, that's going to help me out a ton. So on three, your names are one, two, three. Oh, really? That's my brother's name. That's great. Okay. Um, also, I think it's important. What is your favorite ice cream? One, two, three. Some people don't like ice cream. I get it. Uh, mint chocolate chip. Yes. Any brothers and sisters out there? Amen. Awesome. Now, you are not seeing my other half on stage. She is at the women's retreat. But you, if you know me, you have to know that I have an incredible wife. Her name is Bree. I know, uh, I married up big time. Um, God is faithful. If you guys are ever wondering if prayer works, exhibit A. Yes, she is gorgeous. We have been married for a year and a half. We don't have any kids yet, uh, but we are training. So right now we have a puppy. This is Dexter. This is the closest thing you guys can say. Aw, I know, right? We did good. Yeah, no, I, uh, I love my family. I'm so glad to be here. I, I love you guys. I get to um, pray for you and get to see a few of you students at our youth group on Wednesdays, and I'm really excited for what God has for us this morning. Uh, if you guys are new or have been coming, us as a church, we have been digging into God's Word to find out what God has for us to move beyond this regular life that the world may throw our way and say that this is how we're supposed to live, and God is saying that we have something so much better to live for. Uh, the first week, we talk about how God is calling us to use our finances and to give it completely to him, to entrust it to him, realizing that God's plans are best and that he could bless us abundantly more whenever he's in charge. Uh, second week, we talk about how God has made us into new creations, that God has a new plan and purpose for your life as Christians, and how God uses us to be a lot of this world and reach people that don't yet know him. And last week, we talked about the greatest news of all time. It is not that the Dallas Cowboys have five Super Bowl wins, no. The greatest news of all time is that God loves us so much that he created a way for us to have a personal, intimate relationship with him, that our sins are forgiven by him sending his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins, both past, present, and future, and that God rose him from the dead three days later to defeat the power of sin, death, and the devil. It is the best news ever. We are still on this earth to tell the people that don't yet know about this good news. And to wrap up this important series, it's so vitally important that as a church that we become a praying church if we aren't already. I'm, I'm so grateful that Mountain View is a praying church, but I'm asking us, both individually and collectively, to look at our hearts and ask ourselves this question, are we living a life of prayer? Because God's best for you is to live a life of prayer. God's best plan for you is that you are in constant, intimate communication with him, both as a church, but also personally. And your life is going to change drastically whenever you continue to take steps in your walk with God. I don't want you guys to miss out on it. We're going to be looking first off at a passage, Matthew 21, verses 12 to 17. We're going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. 
If you guys have your Bible, I ask that you please turn there now. And if you don't have a Bible, please come talk to us after the service. We'd love to get you one. If you have an app store on your phone, look up YouVersion Bible and get one full free. It's awesome. Utilize it. Grow closer to God and read his word and dive in with us today. We're going to go ahead and read on one, two, three. It says that Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and Jesus healed them. The leading priests and teachers of religious law saw those wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say that you have taught children and infants to praise me. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. And as we continue this service, I just want to enter into a time of prayer just to talk to God real quick before we dive in any further. If you guys would love to join me, uh, just close your eyes and bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for life and for another day on this earth and for the opportunity to just come before you and talk to you. God, I know that you have something for every person in this room. I pray that you speak to our hearts and our minds. God, and if it is from you, Lord, I pray that you speak through me and that it falls on us and changes our lives completely inside and out and those around us. But God, if it is not from you, let it fall on deaf ears because we want more of you and you alone. God, we worship you and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, as I see Jesus coming in here and what he does is he, uh, he immediately is filled with anger and he sees people in what's supposed to be the this house of prayer and worship, using commercialism and taking advantage of people. He's seeing evil and deception take place in his house. And he's not going to be for that. To give you guys context of what is happening right now, people are traveling from all over to come worship God and to sacrifice a pure lamb for the, for, for the covering of their sins. This is happening in, the, in, the, in regards to before Jesus comes in the Old Testament, this old covenant that God's people has with him is people would, they would get a, a, an animal without blemish, without spot to be a sacrifice for the sins that they have committed. Romans 6, that says for the punishment, for what we deserve for our, our sin is, is death. Not just spiritual death, separation from God, but that is the payment for sin. And so there had to be death, there had to be bloodshed. And last week we talked about the greatest news of all, that we wouldn't have to sacrifice animals because God sent the perfect sacrifice, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who lived a life without sin, to be the eternal sacrifice and atonement for our sins, both past, present, and future. And then God came and, and revealed his power and glory by raising him from the dead so that he had complete authority over power of the death, the devil, and sin. And I pray that today that we get excited about that and we never take that for granted or lose sight of it because that's the foundation that we stand on. And I also want you to understand that whenever Jesus comes in, if he's this perfect lamb and you see him getting angry and flipping tables, you're like, wait, hold up. Isn't this the perfect Jesus coming in? Can he do that? Like, I remember the first time I read this, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus comes in here and he's angry. Uh, can he do that? 
He's also flipping tables where people hurt. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not good. And third off, Jesus must be pretty strong to be flipping tables. I mean, it's like he's a carpenter or something. So, so Jesus probably has, he's probably strong to be able to do this, but also he realizes that this, this temple is, is a house of prayer and that it is not being used for that the way it should be. Something else to realize is that what is happening at this moment where these, these money changers and these people selling these sacrificial animals, the reason it was so wrong is because they were overcharging people. What they would do is people would come from all over with foreign currency and the temple said that you had to use a specific temple coin to buy everything. And that people that didn't know the, the exchange rate, that they would overcharge them and they would overcharge them for the sacrificial animals. And also the location that this is happening in this hall of Gentiles is the place specifically for people that are non-Jewish people. So what they're emulating is they're saying, right now if you're not a Jew, they're really, we don't want you here. But Jesus is absolutely furious because God's house, this house of prayer, is meant for all people of all nations. He wants you guys to come in as you are, to not put up a front and realize that God loves you where you're at and he has something so much better for you in the future. Regardless of your race, regardless of your background, God loves you and wants you here. And I'm so glad that you're here today. This is the heart of God. The reason that he was mad is because he knew that this is what the the temple of the living God looks like. But not only that, is immediately after he does this, he goes and heals people. God's word says that it's, it's not anger that is a sin, but it is whenever anger controls you. It says in Ephesians that, that the devil uses that as a foothold to get in the way, but Jesus was in control of his anger, and he used it for good. It's not as if, if you were to go to a place, oh, I don't know, maybe you've heard of this, a doghouse grill, anybody? I've been in Fresno for about a year and a half. Uh, I, I saw this as I'm driving on the highway, and I just see this beam of light coming through the clouds to this restaurant. I'm like, I got to try it. I go in, it smells great, I see people smiling, it's got to be good, and then I just see these mounds and mounds of meat, and I'm like, amen, it's good. That's how you talk when you walk in, yes. So I'm walking in there, I'm excited, I ask for a tri-tip sandwich, double beef, and I'm in heaven. I feel like they prayed over this food and pre-blessed it, like I didn't even have to, I was like, this one's good to go. And so, imagine going into this place, and you are expecting this awesome sandwich, this house of tri-tip, and you're going in there. And you order it and you're sitting down and you're happy and you're prepping yourself to dive into this incredible experience. And then they bring you this giant plate and all that is on it is a little piece of kale. I don't know about you, just being honest. I would be furious. I may flip a table or two. But that is, that is not the point that God is getting at. He's not saying don't get frustrated by that and letting anger control you. No, God is, is understanding that this is supposed to be a house of prayer and not just this church that we're in should be a house of prayer, but the temple of the Holy Spirit, you guys, we're, we're supposed to be a house of prayer. We're supposed to utilize our lives for God and for other people and be in constant communication with him. I'm grateful that we're a part of a praying church, but I know that we can take a step further beyond where we're at now, amen? So there's a few things I want us to look at together. First off, God knows that it's his house of prayer. It says this in Isaiah 56, 7, says, God says that I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But God's seen it been used as a den of thieves before. And he understands that with imperfect people that make mistakes, 
that we need more of God, that we should not live a life trying to be independent. When we realize that if pride is the root of all sin, if we're living a life without prayer, we're basically telling God, hey, God, I got this. I don't need you. But it's whenever we step up as a church and individually with humility and say, God, I need more of you. I want you to take control. I can't do this on my own. And as you do that, he blesses and rewards you. I mean, the creator of the entire universe wants to spend time with you, and we can't take this for granted. I'm just looking around. I mean, today is a great day. Some of us are spending time around the world praying for our team to win the Super Bowl or praying that they actually get in it next year because they're not in it right now. But we think that that might give us the most joy when it doesn't. We think that our joy is going to be found by going to our favorite band and seeing them in the front row. It could be found in wearing stuff. It could be found in getting people's approval. I absolutely love my wife. I love my dog. I love my job. These things bring me such satisfaction, but nothing compares to the satisfaction I get by having a personal relationship with the Almighty God, creator of the universe, and that we get to have that as a church collectively and individually. This is the best news of all time that we should not take for granted. And I hope that you grab a hold of the fact that God loves you enough to want to spend time with you. And we should honor him by wanting to do that as well. You see, there's a few things that happen when we spend time with God. Is it changes our lives and the lives around us. Living with Jesus in his Father's house of prayer results in five things. The first one is purity. God's gift that protects and leads us to a life of freedom. Romans 6, it goes on to say that whenever we're in Christ, we're no longer slaves to sin. That the power of sin has no control over us. God's words also says that whom the Son sets free, Jesus Christ who Jesus sets free is free indeed. You guys are not bound by past or present mistakes. You're not bound by something that has been in your family for so long. You are freed completely from it. And that is what happens is whenever you spend time living in prayer and you spend time talking to God and in his word you realize the truth of the matter is that you have freedom in Christ. You also begin to realize just how good God is for freeing you that you can't help but want to spend time with him. Man, I'm, I'm so grateful what God has pulled me from and is, is working through me right now. And I'm excited and believe that God is going to do so much more for me and for you guys. God is not done with you yet. The next thing that, that it brings is, it brings passion. Passion to do anything short of sin so we can meet Jesus. 1 John 4.19 tells us that, that we love God because he first loves us. I look at Jesus and I see time and time again in his word where he was filled with compassion and reached out to heal people and to love people. And as a church, that's something that I, I believe that when you spend time with God, he starts to break your heart for what breaks his. You start to love what he loves and hate what he hates you start to realize just how good God is and how having his heart and his, his mind and his focus changes the way that you look at this world. You find satisfaction doing what he created you to do. Because if God creates you, wouldn't you say that he's the one that knows what you're created for? Not ourselves, not society, not culture. No, the creator knows what you guys are made here for. Now, I'm grateful to, uh, 
to have a wife who's, who's a musician. I saw her playing on stage, playing keys and singing, and I was getting distracted during worship because she was so beautiful. I had to talk to her, and I remember I had to learn an instrument, and I, was, I, I just started learning bass, and I got to play here a couple months ago, and I love it. It's awesome. I get to worship God, and I get to play an instrument and learn, and I remember like the first time I saw a bass, I was like, wait, why is there only four strings? What is this for? I don't know. Imagine if you've never even seen a guitar. I know that's really hard in the world that we live in, but let's try to take a step back. Let's say we're looking at this guitar right here. You don't know it's for playing music or anything. You may not even know what music is at this time. You're just looking at this weirdly shaped thing with strings, and you're thinking, okay, what is this used for? Is that a weapon, maybe? I've seen some people break it on stage. I don't, has Tim done that yet? Tim, have you broken one of these? I think he will probably. Um, no, it, what it's, it's used for is it's used to, as you go, strum and, and play sounds and music, used to worship God. But also, the person that created that guitar probably knows the best plan and purpose for it. Just as if God creates you, you guys are not an accident or, or a mistake. God specifically created you for a purpose and a plan that he knows for you. And in order to find that out, you've got to spend time with him. But also, one thing I don't want you to miss is I'm grateful that Tim gets to play and lead and worship on this guitar. But if that guitar is just sitting there, is it making any sound right now? No, there has to be someone behind this instrument. And God makes it clear in Romans 6.13, it says that we're supposed to be instruments that God used to glorify him. So God created you for this specific purpose, but he also has things to pull from within you. He has his spirit that he gives us to use you to change this world, to be a light to this world, to show the love and the hope of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Regardless of what it may be, you may not even know these things about yourself yet, but God does. And if you come before him with humility and you say, God, use me, he's going to know how to use you better than you could. He knows you better than you know yourself. So why would we want to get caught up in pride and say, God, I can handle it on my own whenever he's just like, you're going to be so much happier if you just trust me and let me have my way with you. Don't miss out on God's best plan for you. The other thing is this. Whenever we live a life with Jesus in prayer, it results in prayer. What do I mean by that? Well, prayer is to pursue intimate time in God's presence, to receive God's heart, desires, and plan for our lives. God makes it very clear in his word that the most important commandments of all time are to what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You find this out by spending time with him. But also, the more you spend time with him, the more you discern what, it, what God is asking of you. For example, this word neighbor, when I first heard that verse, I'm like, okay, I'll just love the people that are within this vicinity that live a couple houses around but I think God's trying to say something more in-depth than that. So I pulled up the, the Greek word, the original language used for this verse in the New Testament, and it says this for neighbor. It's actually plesion, and that means any person, regardless of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we have the chance to meet. Sounds like everybody. You see, this happens whenever we spend time with him because... It's hard to love difficult people, amen? It's hard to love people that don't use their blinker and they cut you off and you're like, Lord, bless them. Teach them how to drive. 
We have to depend on God and spend time with him to love all people. People that we disagree with, people that may bully you or are mean to you, people that are just straight out hard to love. God wants to love them and he wants to use you to love them. But also, I think it's very important that in order to know what God has for you, you have to spend more time with him. Now, I absolutely love Pastor Ken with all of my heart. Can you hear that, PK? Yeah, you'll probably hear this later. Yeah, I love you, dude. The first time I met him, though, I don't know if it was the way that his eyes were looking at me or what. Like, I have 100 pounds on him, and I was terrified of this guy. Like, I felt like I had made him mad the first week where I was doing something wrong, and, like, I said something, and he didn't laugh, but then he told me later it was funny. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what to think. He started to use this thing called sarcasm, and I didn't get it at first. And thankfully I did, because the more time I spent with him, the more time I understood his heart, but also the more time I could understand when he was being real and he was joking with me. It's a lot more enjoyable to have conversations with people that you know and love and care about, right? But that takes time. Relationships take time to build. And I'm so grateful for PK, Pastor Ken, the relationship I have with him. And a lot of that is a result of spending close, intimate time with him. And that's what God is longing for you guys. If you guys are having a hard time hearing the voice of God, spend more time with him to know what it sounds like. Spend more time in his presence to know his heart and you can start to see what he has for you. The next thing that living a life of prayer will result in is power. Boldness from God's Holy Spirit is released in us and expecting to see healing signs and wonders take place. Acts 4.29-31 says this, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. First off, we all know that God is all-powerful. And if he is an all-powerful God like his word says he is, and if he is faithful, that we believe that we're going to see healings and miracles take place. But when we live a life of faith, we also believe that God is going to move through us and his spirit is going to move and these things are going to happen. And whenever we spend time in intimate prayer with him, we're going to see these things happen more. But also, God is going to give us his spirit more and more to be filled with boldness, to preach to talk to people that it may be difficult to talk to, maybe just to talk at all. That can be a challenge, but I also think it, it causes us to be in these places of discomfort when we're dependent upon God to say, God, I need you to show up because if you don't, I'm lost. I think we need to be in a place of complete humility and dependence upon God to where whenever something happens, it's evident that God is here. I pray that as a church that we have that humble heart to say, you know what, God? I can't do this on my own, but I know that you can. God, God's word makes it really clear that in our weaknesses, he, get to be, he gets to be strong and he gets to be glorified and his power gets to be revealed more and more. We can't be a church that puts a limit on God because there is no limit for him. The final point is this. When we live a life of prayer with Jesus, the result is praise. Worship from a grateful heart that points everyone to God, both intentionally and spontaneously. 
I, uh, I like being honest. I tr- really try to, and I feel like, especially from the pulpit, something I have to be honest with you guys is um, I sin and I, I mess up. That happens, and I know that we all do. I know that one thing that I've been guilty of is I have gone into times of prayer with a checklist, a checklist and an agenda and saying, God, I need this, I need this. Sometimes I feel like we go to God as if he's an ATM machine. And then if we don't get what we ask for, we're like, oh, God didn't hear me. God didn't show up. But as a church, I believe that we're called to go to the throne of God with a heart of worship initially. When we realize how good God is and we can't help but want to spend time with him, the first thing that we do when we come to him in prayer is worship him because he is worthy of our praise. His love is unconditional and relentless and has no limit. His genuine care for you guys is tangible and powerful and overflows. He just wants to spend time with you. And whenever you see his heart, his true heart, and you just want to worship him for his power and his love and his forgiveness. And when you come before him with gratitude, when you come before him recognizing his love and his authority, then your prayers become different. You enjoy the time with him even more. The spotlight gets off of you and on the one who deserves it. You begin to pray for things that actually should be prayed for. Not God, pray that my team wins the Super Bowl. God, I pray I lose 20 pounds in this Krispy Kreme diet. God, help me to be a better... There's so many things that we pray that may seem ridiculous, but whenever we have our heart lining up with God from living a life of prayer, our prayers line up to his heart. And we got to see them answer the way that he wants them to. I pray that from today that our hearts and our lives change. And I believe that they will. So if you guys can take a moment to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Let's pray.